Hello, it's Thursday the 5th of October. I'm Miranda Sawyer and I've shown all the Tories where Manchester Piccadilly is, so we'll see how long it takes them to find leads. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we collect up all the papers, sit them round a table and use angel cards to tell their fortunes. The male will fall in love with a dark-haired witch. The Telegraph has a date with destiny. Sorry, a mate with a bad knee. And the star will have its path crossed by a black cat, which it will promptly put on the cover under psycho scumbag cat bots aren't all bad, say boffins. We're out five days a week, Monday to Friday, for your delectation and delight. And Fletchek reckons we've got better. (laughs) He was sceptical about us when we started, but he says we've got into our stride now and we're bowling along nicely. (laughs) Thanks, Fletchek. We're like Liam Gallagher walking a chihuahua. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. House trap. England is the hardest place in the Western world to find a home. You're doing it all wrong. The papers know your sex life is rubbish and they've got tips on how to improve it. And speak like a child's. Fleet Street's cuddliest columnist has been to the Tory conference and had a lovely time. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we give short shrift to long-term decisions. Sorry. I'm Miranda Sawyer, and joining me on the show today is writer for the New Statesman and elegant Libra, John Elledge. Hello, John. Hi. Also with us is author of Murder at Crime Manor and Suave Leo, Fergus Craig. Hi, Fergus. Hi, guys. So what have we got on the front pages today? John, what do we have? So The Guardian has Sunak ignites Tory civil war after declaring he is change candidate. Hmm. I'm still not over that. Uh, the I has gone with Sunak turns on 13 years of Tory rule with spending trap for Starmer. Metro also is owned by the same group, the DMG group, and they've both gone weirdly pro-Tory at quite a late late point in the calendar. I wonder what's going on there. Elsewhere, the eye also has, I tried to join a sex cult, they kicked me out by Kate Lister. (laughs) I mean, we all want to read that, right? We do, and we will. Uh, And last but not least, uh, my personal favourite, The Mirror has gone with PM's Great Betrayal. Trainwreck. Trainwreck is pretty good, I have to say. Uh, Fergus, what have you got? I've got the Daily Mail, who are going on Rishi's speech, um, and they've got three headlines for it, each sort of longer than the last, just sort of rambling, trying to convince themselves that it was good. Um, The PM's Common Sense Revolution, Pride in Family, Pride in Britain, Pride in the Party of Aspiration, and Genuine Diversity, and an unequivocal statement that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Day Rishi, this is all the headlines. (laughs) Jay Rishi gave Tories a reason to believe he can save us from Keir's wokery. Wow. Keir's wokery. Keir's wokery. Keir's wokery. And then, <laughs> quite cruelly, it's got a picture of Rishi and uh, his wife, but quite cruelly above it, the banner headline is, why it doesn't matter if you don't fancy your other half anymore. <laughs> uh, the, the Times uh, has Rishi's speech, of course. Um, which they've headlined, son of a pharmacist casts himself as Thatcher's heir. I presume they mean Rishi Sunak, the prime minister. I would suggest that's the most famous thing about him, that he's the prime minister. (laughs) Not he's Mr. Pharmacist. Yeah. And the Daily Star has the big story that they're putting security tags on toilet roll now. Uh, we oh, re- bleak. I know. It? Yeah. But when you need it, you need it. Um, we've really hit the skids. Is the headline. 
Now, amongst all the noise and Tory conference Rishi raving, The Guardian has found a different story. On its front page, under the picture of the Prime Minister and his wife, there's a very different headline. England, most difficult place to find a home. John, what's this about? So there is a report from the uh, the house building industry in the form of the Home Builders Federation, which, um, I mean, they do have an interest here. We should probably admit that. But they <laughs> think we don't have enough homes. And they're kind of right. I mean, they're very much right. This is this is a thing I've been thinking for many years at this point. Uh, England apparently has the lowest percentage of vacant homes per person in the entire OECD of 38 developed countries. That's lower than most of the EU, lower than Japan, lower than the US or Australia. Um, now, a quarter of private renters are spending more than 40% of their income on housing. That's so bleak. That's so bleak, isn't it? That compares with just 9% of renters spending uh, that in France and 5% in Germany. Basically, this is just a massive drag on the economy, just like money is just being sucked into the housing market. And that means that it can't be spent on anything else. So the, the home builders... Again, they do maybe have a little bit of a business <laughs> yes, interest. Home builders, yeah. they'd like to build homes. But, but you know, if we had more homes, then homes would be cheaper. Uh, and that would make a lot of other things easier. It would make it possible to live closer to jobs. It would make it possible to save for the future. It would be generally a good thing if it didn't cost your entire post-tax income just to not sleep outside. Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly depressing. Those those stats are, are, are kind of awful, aren't they? Why do you think that they've brought out this research now? I mean, they could have brought, what I thought was they could have brought the research out just before the Tory party conference, but they didn't. They brought it out just before the Labour party conference. I mean, the obvious explanation is there is at least a chance the Labour party will do something about this. Um to be fair, one of the, like Keir Starmer is, you wouldn't call him a brave politician, would you? He's being incredibly cautious. One of the things he has been closest to like actually taking a position on is saying we will look again at maybe building on certain scrubbier, horrible bits of Greenbelt. The Tories are not going to do this because those are mostly Tory seats. It is very striking that housing did not come up once at the Tory conference I that I can see. Like this massive national crisis which affects essentially everyone under about 50 to some extent. And the Tories just haven't mentioned it because to their voters, who are generally older and securely housed, they're fine. They've won. Yeah. Um, Fergus, it is a bit depressing, isn't it? There's another survey from uh, Right Move that says that private rents have gone up to their highest point ever Mm -hmm. Up 10% up last year. So the average rent is now £1,278 a month outside London and £2,627 in London. That must be the whole property, but it's still loads of money. Um, and each rental property has 25 people you know, trying to get in there, which is three times more than 2019. It's a bit bleak. It's very, very bleak. I, I, it seems like everyone agrees and has agreed for a long time that we need to buy we buy. We need to build lots of houses, <laughs> but we've got too obsessed with choice. Everyone feels like they deserve the choice for what gets built in their neighbourhood. A lot of parents now they might have three kids, but of those three kids, one is one has twirly pasta, one always has shells. Yeah. <laughs> Each one gets some choice, but like years ago, it was just 
you get what you're given. We didn't even have pasta, I have to say. That sounds so old, but we didn't have pasta. It always used to be a, it always used to be a case of you get what you're given, eat your greens. And I think that's yeah. what we need to do as a country. You don't get a choice about what gets built in your constituency. Just take it or leave it. Yeah. This is so, the problem. It's that it doesn't come from politics. I mean, it does come from politicians, but they are responding to the voters. Because, like, you know, if you take almost any constituency in this country and go, do you want to build here? The people who already live there are going to go, no. This is why I think, like, Labour could genuinely fix this one. Because if Labour get in with a decent majority, look around the country, see which seats they still haven't won, and then come up with one of those magic formulas that amazingly puts all the new housing in the constituencies that were still stupid enough to vote Tory. <laughs> they get the houses. Break the non- <laughs> and then like the people who move in, they'll vote Labour because they're grateful. Break the non-aggression pact. Building the Tory, building fucking Bromley. It's half empty. <laughs> Bromley's definitely not half empty, I can tell you. Um, look, there's another. There's a kind of, obviously we're a little bit bored and slightly depressed about HS2 now. I mean, speaking for myself, but we are, we have talked about it oh, a I'm lot. I'm depressed about that. I'm not bored. I'm not depressed. bored. Okay, sorry. There's a, but there's a housing connection to HS2, isn't there? So that essentially, because they've cancelled the link between Birmingham and Manchester, that has made a lot of people very upset because their houses were... Uh, com- com- how do you say it? Compulsorily uh, purchased. It's hard, isn't it? The houses were compulsorily... <laughs> <laughs> purchased that basically their houses had to be bought in order to build this train line and now they can't get them back. Yeah, I mean, if you're you're building a train line, the first thing you have to do is kind of get hold of the land because it's no good if like you get halfway up and there's like, you know, just a house sat there. So so, like the government has spent years and a small fortune assembling the land it's going to build this thing on. Um, Now, now they've cancelled it. Uh, They've put out a statement saying that they'll be releasing that land. But it's not much comfort if you've already had to sell your house for it to be demolished. And also it's just, it feels just mean-spirited. It's like they're they're not just cancelling it, they're sorting the earth. They're making sure that Labour can't rebuild it. It is very possible that, like, by the time we get a change of government, it will no longer be possible to build HS2 because, although, who, having said that, who the hell is going to want to develop that land? If you're a developer you probably don't want to take the risk of something where, like, there is a chance, however small, that a new government's going to be, right, we're going to bring this train back. Yeah. So, like, that's probably the worst place in Britain to try and build houses. So I wouldn't imagine the developers would be that keen on it. But it's also just no comfort whatsoever if you're one of these people who literally lost their fucking home. Yeah, definitely. And now you don't even get a new train set out of it. Now, shall we talk a bit of sex? Papers love it. And on the front of the eye is actually quite a sad sex story from Kate Lister. I tried to join a sex cult, says Kate. They kicked me out. Fergus, this does sound terribly upsetting. What happened? Uh, yes, a lady called Kate Lister has written a piece in the eye. It's about This is something that's happened to her a few years ago, but I guess she's ready to talk. Um, <laughs> first of all, she's just talking about how there are apparently 2,000 cult groups in the UK. So she's just talking about cults in general. But yeah, uh, a few years ago, she went to Bali, did a little uh, sort of um, improve yourself thing, paid a load of money to improve herself. Turned out halfway through, she realized it was a sex cult. We've all done it. No, she we let- haven't. <laughs> Uh, You know, it said participants seem to get it and are frequently having convulsions on the floor as they are de-armoured and their kundalini energy is released. Have you ever had your kundalini energy released? No, I've I've kind of slightly tried it, you know, during yoga, but it didn't didn't go very well. 
I don't know what Kundalini energy is. Yeah. I pray to God I never find out. <laughs> yeah, it sounds sexy. Yeah. I, I think, God, maybe that's what's been getting me down on my Kundalini energy. You need to get that out. Um, but yes, they touch each other's genitals, all of this. She did quite a bit of it before she realised it was time to leave. Yeah, there's, a, there's an entire bit where she, I mean, it sounds awful, where she has to get naked and, and somebody else shaves her pubic hair and she has to touch other people's genitals because that's going to de-armour them. I mean, it's really icky, I have to say. I went to drama school and it... it <laughs> <laughs> so it all sort of sounds quite sort of a par for the course <laughs> to me. How did you know it wasn't a cult? I was just, as, as long as uh, when I left, I was able to get an agent and auditions for the bill. I was happy to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think this is the problem, isn't it? I mean, she identified it as a sex cult, but after a while, they got um, people to play different roles within this, this tantric cult. And you had to pick somebody and they were going to be your parent and then you had to pretend to shag them as well. That doesn't sound very nice. It doesn't sound very sexy. No. Are we sure this is a sex cult, <laughs> not some kind of weird therapy thing? So look, the star, I have to say, has a solution to um, any kind of sexual problems, which is same-sex shenanigans. On page 15, it says that boffins have revealed that lots of animals enjoy a bit of boy-on-boy -boy action or girl-on-girl -girl action, including wild goats, wolves and lions. They're all at it. Uh Horny goats, same sex fans. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I like uh, the idea that, like in any other context, you'd still be just shouting that out on the bus or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, animals sometimes have same sex relationships to reduce infighting, boffins say. I bet they do. Mm. Um, they reckon wild goats, wolves, and lions also do it, blah, blah, blah. But Spanish researchers said it did not mean they fancied the same sex like humans. Scientists said the homosexual flings helped to reduce aggression and conflict. That line does remind me of like when you look in like history books and it's like, oh no, like he was never married and he had this one really close friend. But yeah. it was, it's like, <laughs> I think you've misread that. Yes, exactly. How do they know? They might just, you know, they just might like it. That's what it seems a bit weird to me. Like, how do you know why they're doing it? They're just having fun rather than reducing aggression and conflict. I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, well, exactly. I think we should maybe um, give it to the male, actually, because in the female there is another sex bit, isn't there, which is a slightly more depressing, which is why it doesn't matter if you don't fancy your other half anymore. Yeah, the headline is, no longer fancy your partner, you're not alone. But don't worry, 8 in 10 say it's not grounds for divorce. Yeah. Exactly. It's a lot of kind of like, it's okay, this feature, isn't it? It's a really long feature, but it's just trying to tell everyone it's all right. Yeah, it starts with this this actually quite depressing story about Karen Jones, 55, who's been married to John, 62, for 30 years, uh, and says uh, whenever she has sex with him, she imagines she's banging somebody else. Uh, I don't find him sexually attractive anymore, she admits. We get on really well, but I just don't fancy him. And I haven't for the past decade. What I like about this story is you get to the end and it says, some, in capitals, some names have been changed. <laughs> Implying <laughs> that some of the heard. anecdotes in this story are, you know, it's just people like just saying, I don't want to have sex with my partner anymore. I'm fine with you using my name. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean what I find about those features, the theme, I mean, the male in general is aimed at... Me. It's aimed at, well, possibly not because I'm more left wing, but it's aimed at middle aged women. And what it does is to play on that, it makes you feel simultaneously insecure, so kind of slightly negging you and reassuring you at the same time. Slightly self sex culty, I have to say. So it's basically saying, you're not doing it right, but we'll reassure you about it. I Come mean, our way. Yeah, this is a really good example of the form in that, like, 
if you just kind of think about those quotes, it's like it's it's really depressing for a second. But then you think they've been together 30 years. It is not surprising the ardour has maybe gone out of it by now. <laughs> They're it busy. They've probably, got to cut the hedge. Yeah, it is probably like fairly reasonable to be in a decades long relationship and not still be banging like rabbits the whole time. I mean, like sometimes you just got to cut the grass or something, haven't you? Exactly. Which is also a good euphemism for sex. <laughs> You fancy nipping upstairs and cutting the grass. <laughs> or for having the strangers you just met in a sex cult cutting your pubic hair off. Yeah. Now, here at Paper Cuts, headlines are our happy place. We prefer them short, sharp and silly, but we can cope with long-winded, loopy and lascivious. So you're OK, Quentin Letch. Sorry, let's. John, what do you have? So I am looking at the sun on page three. Um, page three is not what it was. Uh, they've got a story about a bar in Leeds, uh, which has replaced the bun in burgers with uh, Yorkshire puddings. Oh, that's quite nice, no? Um, I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna fess up at this point. I had a couple of drinks last night. I'm looking at this, thinking that sounds great. <laughs> uh, anyway, the headline is E Bar Bun. E-Bob Bun, very good, OK. And then over the page, um, it's interesting that The Sun has put its politics coverage of Rishi's big speech on pages four and five, not on the cover. I wonder what yeah. that says. Um, but like, even though they're hiding it inside, they're pretending everything is great. Uh, Trevor Kavanagh says it was the best since 97. So there's, a vote, there's a vote of confidence for I Does anyone remember how the Tories did in the 1997 election? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anyway, the, uh, the, the the double page spread of, of, of Rishi and his wife, it talks about the PM's common sense promise. He's scrapping A-level with SIGs and HS2 section. He hammers Sakir and woke mob. And the headline is Rish Bash Bosh. Wow, he sounds really tough, doesn't he? Rishi, Rishi Bashing and Bosh. Fergus, what do you have? Uh, the country, the whole country has been following the story of the missing skunk. Uh, it's all anyone can talk about around the water cooler. Um, that's uh, in the sun. They've got uh, the headline, uh, Pepe Le Few. It's pretty good, I reckon. Yeah, it's not bad. Course, it's, but is it, why is it Le Few? Le Few because they've, they've captured them after five days. So uh, that's okay. Few, uh, we've got our skunk back. That's very good. And uh, the Daily Star, who sort of led the way with this story... Um, <laughs> It was an exclusive, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, they, it's it's been their uh, their scoop, uh, and they've got. Do you feel lucky, skunk? <laughs> Little stinker, runaway is found hiding under a car. <laughs> I think the sun wins that one, Pepe Le Few. I know, although I do quite like Little Stinker Runaway. <laughs> Little Stinker Runaway. Of course, the, the name of my first album. Um, and in the sun, uh, they've got a story based around, they've just got a series of pictures of animals doing funny things. Quite right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, no one knows when these pictures were taken. All we know is they had some space to fill and today was the day. Um where they've got a picture of a rock and roll kangaroo who gets onlookers bouncing as it appears to play air guitar. You, you've got to see it to believe it. <laughs> and uh, the headline is, a wop bop a bop That's a very good headline. Um, I think that justifies the whole piece. Plus you sure. get cute pictures of animals. I, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd buy a coffee table book just on that. Now, Thursday is Columnist Day, where we examine the output of a few of Fleet Street's proper lucky gits. 
column is every hack's dream. Your picture at the top and a chance to bang out 800 words without, you know, doing any reporting. Which is perhaps why, John, a few people were very cross when Adrian Childs got a column in The Guardian, weren't they? They were. I think there's a lot of unfairness about this. I think I, I have a lot of time for Adrian Charles. Uh, he's an absolutely lovely man. He's very warm and funny, and I think his columns are genius. I think people have mixed up the timeline because he is, you know, publicly in a relationship with The Guardian's editor, Kath Viner. I think some people have sort of seen in that a certain nepotism, missing the fact that the reason they met is because he was a Guardian columnist mm. rather than the other way. People sometimes get the causality the wrong way around. It'd be difficult to sack him, though, wouldn't it? But he does. He's got an amazing piece today about he's been to the Tory party conference. <laughs> um, so he's doing some reporting. He is doing some reporting. And it's beautiful. It's it's like, you know, what I did on my school holidays. He's just kind of like, <laughs> he just wanders around the exhibition hall sort of in awe of like the fact the stands for things like guide dogs and cats protection. <laughs> he gets very excited about the fact that Sainsbury's has a scale electric. <laughs> Uh, at one point, he gets hold of a tea towel depicting various varieties of cheese from the National Farmers Union, but then he loses it and is sad. Oh, poor Adrian. That is rubbish. I mean, what I quite like about the piece is he just doesn't bother with any of the politicians. So he doesn't go to see any of the speeches. He sees them walking past and thinks they look like celebs. But he, that, other than that, he just doesn't bother. He just goes to the conference hall and then has a quick look in the Midland Hotel where they're all getting drunk and thinks, oh, I don't like it, and leaves. I mean, I think that's exactly... I've been to Tory conference. I think that's exactly the right response. <laughs> just like you don't... You just, it's, it's fine as long as you avoid the actual Tories. I have to say, with Adrian Charles, I've slightly changed my opinion about him. So initially I was very irritated because, you know, I'm a working hack. I was like, he's got a column and all he does is write about a load of like easy stuff and I felt that what he wrote about was kind of the things that many women do before breakfast so he would go ironing oh my god who thought this who invented this is really really hard or keeping a plant alive blimey this is difficult feeding a puppy who knew he has a urinal women don't do that before breakfast they definitely don't that is a very upsetting uh, image but it is you know he has a urinal he wrote about it I heard about that yeah he said it has changed my life. <laughs> and he has a urinal. It's positioned below a stained glass window. And the stained glass window has West Brom's crest on it. <laughs> and it's, this is a quote. I'm very proud of it. The urinal more than the crest. This is an enthusiasm shared by very few people, especially women, who have been known to wretch at the very sight. <laughs> This baffles me. He's constantly baffled, isn't he? But what I love about it is you can't tell quite how seriously he's taking it there. Like, is he actually baffled? We don't know. And yeah. that's the genius of that it. That is the genius. Do you, are you a fan? Um, I'm just sort of interested by how much opinion he seems to drive. Because maybe it's the, he's such a centrist. I don't mean politically, just mm. as a person. He's so sort of mild. Yeah. And, and that seems to drive opinion. Like the column he's got, he says, activists feel like extremists to me, a bit too one-eyed and wild-eyed to sensibly engage with. A peculiar breed. Unfair, I know. My bad. He sort of tempers himself constantly. He's like... Yeah. Um, yeah, always. He always says he doesn't want to say anything bad about anyone. He finds it very difficult, which is like almost the opposite of a traditional columnist. Columnists are just normally just straight in there having a go at people. And he's like, you know, I really don't want to offend. Yes, he's developed the skill of having a, an opinions column with no opinions. <laughs> 
It's like, amazing. But it's like, he, yes, the whole column is like, if you took your child to conference and asked them to write a piece on it, what would their experience be of it? Very much so. I'm going to read you some child's classic headlines, okay? okay? And, you know, you can see how interested you are. We can go to the moon, so why can't we stop my glasses sliding down my nose? <laughs> Lockdown has slowed me down, so why can't I spare two minutes to clean my teeth? I mean, Adrian, who knows why? I don't know. OK, ironing has a rival for my affections, the matchless, marvellous joy of log stacking. That's a pretty good one. And these, these three I really love. I thought it was weird to have a favourite spoon. <laughs> then I realised I wasn't alone. It's literally the private eye column. It's literally my favourite spoon. I can hear the listeners frantically Googling for these columns right now. I want to read them. <laughs> I want to read about the favourite spoon. It's true. And then there's two more I've got. You're never too old to climb a tree, and I should know. <laughs> Written from the top of a tree. <laughs> yeah. And the last one, my number one fear in life, being boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a very elaborate joke. I mean, also, I have to say, he's really, really loved. So the readers really love him. And that's one of the reasons why that he's an amazingly successful columnist. You get loads and loads of comments afterwards. And normally with columnists, you, the comments you get afterwards are like, what a load of rubbish, I hate you. And with all Adrian's columns, you just get people going, yes, me too. I've always loved ironing. Climate tree's great, isn't it? Perhaps what it is is that the world is so stressful at the moment. He's sort of like the Emily in Paris of columns. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's just like comfort. Yeah, he's comfort. Reading. Yeah, he exactly exactly that. He's like a plate of mashed potato and gravy. Yeah. Oh, that also sounds really good in the hangover. <laughs> and that's the end of today's paper cuts. Thanks to John. Thank you. And thanks to Fergus. Thank you. Remember, we're now out five days a week, and we would be really grateful for your support so we can continue to get hectic over headlines for you every weekday. We are a 100% independent outfit. No big media owner backer here. We spend £600 a month on papers alone. The corner shop guy loves us. But why don't you chip in? To keep paper cuts afloat, for as little as £3 a month, you can get every episode without adverts, gives a little bit more, and you can get extended episodes with extra funny bits, plus extra special paper cuts, mugs and T-shirts, as occasionally modelled by our panel. So why don't you follow the show notes to back.papercutshow.com to find out more. Our beloved supporters get a shout out on the show, and here are three now. We're going to read out one each. John... It's hello and thank you from me to Mindy Goose. Well, I mean, I love the existence of Mindy Goose. I'm so pleased you're there, Mindy Goose. Yes, definitely. I feel like we should have a, an entire podcast around Mindy Goose. OK, Fergus, who do you have? I'd like to say hello and thank you for your support to Tom Higgin. <laughs> thank you, Tom. And I am here to say hiya and thank God you're here to Adam Watson. I've been Miranda Sawyer and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when The Guardian reveals that if dogs went vegan, it would save more greenhouse gas emissions than the UK. But they wouldn't stop woofing about it, right guys? See you tomorrow. Paper Cuts was written and presented by Miranda Sawyer with John Ellidge and Fergus Craig. The group editor was Andrew Harrison. The managing editor of News was Jacob Jarvis. Production support was by Adam Wright and the producer was Liam Tate. Music and audio production was by Simon Williams and the executive producer was Martin Boytosh. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production.